morning, beautiful family. Um, it's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful to be back and just to see faces that we haven't seen for a long time. And um, well, not because you haven't been here, it's possibly because we haven't been here. And um, I know, was it last week or the week before? I, I, um, I did give you a little bit of an update as to why we were away, but since a lot of people have been asking us again, how's your mum, how's your mum? Uh, Michael just said to me, would I mind just uh, giving you a brief update? We were away for an extended period of time. Uh, we left uh, uh, end of October, was it? In, uh, November, beginning of November, and got back just before Christmas. We were meant to go away for two and a half weeks, but ended up staying away for six weeks unexpectedly. So the whole thing was that my mum had been very, very ill, but I don't want to speak about my mum right now, because she's in good hands. We've got her in a wonderful uh, care uh, facility. She's been taken very well, good care of. So thank you so much for all who have been asking about her and praying for her. We were able to do immeasurably more than what we could ever, ever have thought of in the natural. And I credit that all to the faithfulness of people praying and to our faithful God who moves mountains. And just to say that my mum was in a very, very dire health situation, and God opened up doors which, supernaturally. Things that would have taken us months, months to do, God did in four or five days. I think we need a bit of a hallelujah here. <laughs> like, come on. I was blown away. People who, a majority of my family don't know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. They know him as Lord or the man upstairs. Let me tell you, he's way more than a man upstairs. He is a miracle maker. He is the one that shines in the dark. He is the one that can turn the impossible into the possible. And the only way that we can get things to be possible, because we know that where things are impossible with man, they are totally possible with God. Amen? And the only way that that is possible is when we keep our eyes upon him. Even when our knees are shaking, even when we do not have the words to speak, know that God wars on our behalf. I love the song. Thank you, guys for choosing those this morning, that he is a God. He is the Lion of Judah. He is the God who roars. He roars, people. Seriously, I'm a little hyped up this morning because I just get so excited. I'm not like this usually. (laughs) But I get so excited when I'm in the presence of Jesus because he is so energizing. And I just want to say that this year, there are numerous, many people here, myself included, facing challenges. Some of them seem almost impossible. But let me encourage you, find people around you that will pray for you, because that is how we get through. We get through by having friends praying for us who are faithful, hearing the voice of God and praying and lifting you up. Secondly, never ever take your eyes off him. Even if you have been disappointed, even if you have not seen prayers being answered right now, I truly believe that God works on a bit of a triage. Help me if I'm wrong here. And show a little bit of grace if I'm not being theologically correct. But those things that need to be urgently answered right now, the Lord opens a way. The things that we haven't quite seen, there are things that I still haven't seen full answers to. 
I know that God is working in me to be diligent and to be faithful, to keep on and continue praying for those things to come to pass. But God is faithful. God is just. He hears our prayers. He says that he never slumbers. He never ever sleeps. Psalms, start, like I know we're reading 2020, but read Psalms every single day because it's so encouraging for your soul where he says he inclines his ear. Like, come on, come a little closer. Come a little closer. Speak to me. He inclines his ear to hear when we pray to him. Amen? And to find your joy in him. Because there were times when I felt like a puddle on the floor. But you know what? It's just like that. Oh, yes, my God, my joy is in you. I know I can find my joy. Stir it up. The Bible says to us, I'm taking it a little long, okay? The Bible says to us to stir up that gift. Stir it up. Stir it up, baby. Stir it up. Stir it up. Stir it up. The whole time because you had that gift of joy. It's a gift that God has given to you. And that gift has no, oh, it's bottomless. And when you're not feeling that joy, stir that joy up by being thankful. Being thankful for the things that he's already given you. Being thankful for the very air that you breathe. Being thankful that you have family, that you have a roof over your heads. And then you watch how that joy starts coming and growing inside of you. Amen. So long story short, my mum is doing fantastically well. I try and speak to her. Well, I, I send her messages every single day. Send her little videos of, of what's going on. And then when a family member goes and visits her, she gets a download of everything that's happening in our lives. And I know she has got such a strong spirit within her. Like, although she's still um, not being able to move in this wheelchair bound, she said to me when I was there, she speaks uh, Elvish. Like right because she has aphasia. So she her words aren't coming up, but we can speak like this. So even though I can understand that funny little language, right? You think your language sounds funny? Know that God understands every single thing, every little moan, every little yes. syllable that you say. Yes, I'm nearly done. But my mom said to me, she said to me, she pointed to a, a walker and she said, I want one of those right? She doesn't want to be in a wheelchair. And I thought that was the beginning of her first faith step of wanting to get out of a wheelchair. So I thank you all. I thank you so much for for, um, just asking us about my mum. Know that she's in good hands. And if you do think of her, to do pray for her that she has breakthrough, just as each and every one of us are praying and believing for breakthrough in our own lives. Amen. So Father, I thank you for this beautiful family that I'm a part of. Thank you for, for, for planting me here. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that I have this opportunity to be with such beautiful friends, Lord. And Father, I know that you know the desires of their hearts. Father, I know we all have, we all have needs. We all have um, urgent things that we have on our lists. And Lord God, I ask that by through your grace that you see, look down upon us. Even as we're saying that you are in this room with us, Father, I know that hearts are being ignited to believe, to believe, to dare to believe in you again, Lord God, that we would never give up. And Lord, I just thank you for answered prayers in this place. In Jesus' beautiful, wonderful, powerful name. Amen. And with that, I bid you adieu. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> now, Deb's is off to Sunday school now. <laughs> Deborah's going to go and wind the children up now. Yeah. It's awesome. I, I, love, I love Deborah because, so much, for sure. But one of the things I love about her is uh, every time I say to her, Alyssa, I'd love you to share something, she says, I don't know what I'm going to say. And... Uh, 
certainly doesn't uh, certainly does does know for sure. I need some help. I'm on a few antihistamines and all of that, and so if I sit down, I've got a bit of a uh, a sinus infection and so on. Um, please bear with me, and so. But today I want to share a little bit of, uh, con- in continuation with last week, um, what I shared with regards to a prophecy from Felicity Pooley. I know many of you were away with family and friends and uh, may not have been able to uh, listen to the message. So I'm going to repeat a little bit of it and build on that as uh, I've been praying for the new year and uh, I'm ex- really excited with what God has in store for us. And um, this is a prophecy Felicity had a while ago, and it's amazing, um, a number of months ago, uh, that while I was praying, I just felt uh, God impress me to look it up again. And I just want to um, read it to you and then um, speak of that. Um, I believe it is key for the season. And the, the, the prophecy is this, that during the Easter community service downtown, I felt a shift in the heavenlies that the gates of the city have opened wider to our king and, our ki- and the kingdom. And as we began to pray for Oceanside team, I saw in the spirit that the streets of Nanaimo were flowing with gold. Isn't this exciting? Gold is the emblem of eternal deity of the Godhead and speaks of the immutability of God. It feels like there is a greater flow of the spirit's power equipping us as believers to take hold of the fullness of Christ. And that's what I believe, that this year is a year of making the name of Jesus more famous in our lives and in the the city and in the nations. The scripture God gave Felicity was this, Zechariah 8, uh, verses 9 and 12. Uh, This is what the Lord Almighty says, you who who now hear these words spoken by the prophets who were there when the foundation was laid for the house of the Lord Almighty. Let your hands be strong that the temple may be built. The seed, verse 12, the seed will grow, the vine vine will yield its fruit, the ground will produce its crops, and the heavens will drop their dew. And I will give all these things as an inheritance to the remnant of this people. These are the two things that caught my attention while I was um, pondering on this. And the first one is that, as, as it was that as the outreach team went onto the streets, as they left the church, as they came here and were equipped and encouraged and spurred on, they took what they had into the streets. And it's in that it is in the streets that the power of the Holy Spirit began to flow like liquid gold. This is a confirmation of Acts 1.8, where Jesus says, you will receive power for a purpose. And that purpose is to be a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing that caught my attention was that our hands are to be strong. And I felt God reminding us that we need to stop focusing on what we don't have and start to focus again on what we already have in our hands. Reminder, I've spoken of this before, what you have in your hands, that God chose a stuttering Moses with a stick in his hand to deliver a, na- a nation, a young shepherd boy with a sling to, to defeat an army, 
and used five loaves and two fishes given by a child to feed 5,000. In Matthew 25, 21 to 40, Jesus reminds us of the power of a cup of water, a piece of bread, and the kindness done in his name. I want to pick up in verse 37 to 40, but I encourage you to go and read the chapter. And this is what Jesus says after commending them for giving, going in his name to the hospitals, to the jails, giving a cup of water, a cloak, things that we could quite easily do on a daily basis. And this is what he commends them for. He says, Lord, when will you, when, then the righteousness, righteous will answer him. Sorry. Lord, when did we see the hungry and feed you? Or the thirsty and give you something to drink? When did you see as a stranger invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? And when did we see you sick in prison and go and visit you? And the king will, will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. You see, church, this is an amazing thing. The good news is that we're already starting to do this. And I don't know if Joy's here today, but I asked her to give me a bit of an update of what happened over the Christmas time. And I'm going to ask um, just to put it on up there. And next week, I'm going to ask Joy and the team to share about the things that are happening on the streets as they go out there. So if they could be on there while I continue to speak for the sake of time. You see, I want to remind us, church, that since the inception of this church, that God has given us an inheritance not only in our city, but in the nations. But it's an inheritance that the enemy would like to contain within these four walls when within our natural circumstance. And I personally believe that the way he does this is primarily through two things. As a pastor, uh, I, I speak to many people and minister to many people and pray for many people. And I'm absolutely surprised at the amount of people dealing with fear and anxiety and condemnation. Things that are paralyzing the church. And we all at some time suffer from these things. I call it the what if syndrome. What if people find out about my past? What if I make a fool of myself? What if, what if, what if? A church, we need to be constantly reminded, and this is a very short message because I want us to worship again. Isn't it amazing that our faith grows as we fix our eyes on Jesus? And I want to encourage you to do that daily, to go into that secret place, to start your day. And if you don't have a good voice like me, with worship songs, Hill song, Jesus culture, these songs that exalt Jesus Christ. And I tell you, every morning when I do that, no matter what happens, my eyes immediately are lifted up. Because we need to be constantly reminded that our faith is not in ourselves. 
It is not in ourselves, church. Our faith is in God, the creator of heaven and earth. And therefore, we should not focus on ourselves, but focus on Him. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, the Word of God says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and sin and the sin that so easily entangles us. Church, we're carrying around these heavy loads, these backpacks full of guilt, condemnation, fear, and all of these. And we are trying to run with that on our backs. It's impossible to finish well if we do that. We come to the throne of grace. The Word of God says in Hebrews 4, we say we're to come to the throne of grace Daily, And when we come to the throne of grace, the Word of God says, we receive mercy from Him. And mercy is something that we don't deserve. Because God should actually give us, according to our sin, what we do deserve. But He doesn't treat us like that. He forgives us. We come by grace, we receive mercy... And then the Word of God says this, and we find more grace to help us in our time of need. And that's what I purpose in my heart to come every day. Come to the throne of grace. Every one of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. And that's why He sent Jesus Christ. We have Christ in us, the hope of glory. And that Christ in us wants to get out into the the highways and the byways. Of the many things and trials that Deborah and I have gone through the many years, and this one was one of them, I'm in contact and around people that don't have Jesus Christ in their lives. And one of the questions I always ask them is when they ask me about my faith, is how do you go about life without Jesus? How do you do that? And they have no answer. But through those seeds that we sow into their lives, it begins to generate and bear fruit. You see, we cannot save anyone. Let's stop trying to save people. How many of you could save yourself? Anybody? So stop trying to save everybody else. That's the the Holy Spirit that brings conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. What we do is sow seeds of love. It's so amazing being in South Africa. There were two worlds I was in. I was in the, in the church community, in the church world, preaching and ministering and sharing uh, in uh, New Covenant churches um, in parts of South Africa. And then I was with amazing people that don't know God, that are lost, and one of them was Deborah's uncle, one of the hardest men that I've ever known, but with the softest heart. And he was watching, and I spent a lot of time with him. And he started asking me questions. He started asking me how I cope with things and how we get through things. And as he saw God move and prayers answered, these, he started these, these questions. All I did was sow seeds, seeds of love, seeds of forgiveness, seeds of acceptance, and then ask God to water that seed and make it grow. 
Paul himself said about this divine partnership that we have God. You see, we're trying to do things that we are not called to do or equipped to do. Paul simply said this, that I planted the seed and then Apollos came behind me and watered that seed. How did he do that? By simply loving and caring for them. By pointing them to Jesus. But it was God and God alone that made the seed grow. And that's what God wants us to do on the highways and the byways in the city. God wants to get out of the four walls of the church. This is the huddle. I keep on um, constantly say that. This is where we come from the game of life, beat up and bent out of shape, where we come to spur one another on, according to Hebrews 10, towards love and good deeds. This is a place of community. This is a safe place for us to come and hear of the love and be reminded of this amazing God we serve. You see, the Word of God says this in Hebrews, that we're to run with perseverance. That we to throw off everything that hinders us. And let us run the race marked out for us. This is an amazing thing. God is not a God of the multitudes. God is a God of individuals. When God looks down from heaven at all of us worshiping billions around the world, he sees an audience of one. He sees you worshiping him. And he loves you and he cares for you. His eyes are on you. And our eyes need to be on him. And that's how we run this race. Because the word of God says he not only authors our faith, he gives us the seed of faith, but he perfects it faith. And he does this. Jesus went to the cross for us. Because of the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of God. Why did he endure the cross? Why was it so joyful for him in the midst of the pain and the suffering? Why was his heart filled with joy? Because he saw you. He saw you. He saw us. He sees the multitudes. And he's calling us to go and represent him well in word and deed so that they too can come and be part of the family of God. This is the most incredible love story ever written, that God so loved the world, not just us. Christianity is the most inclusive religion in the world. Everybody is welcome But there's only one door in, and that's through Jesus Christ. And we need to point people in that that direction. You see, church, I was reading this by a man called J.B. Phillips, and I just wrote a few notes about it. And this is what he says. We all tend to shrink our concept of Jesus of who Jesus really is to the size of our circumstance. Our circumstances, when we look at them, always shrink God. But when we look up 
our circumstances shrink. If I, was, if I had a penny in my hand and I looked at, closed my one eye and stuck it against my eye, I could block out the whole sun with that penny. But when I put it down, that circumstance, and I look up, I see him. You see, he goes on to say this, that any God that fits into the contours of me will never transcend me. Therefore, he will never really be God. And the question we need to ask ourselves is not how big is our faith, but how big is our God? This is a year of faith. This is a year of us stepping out, not in our own strength and ability, but in the power of the name of Jesus. So that we will see the miracles of the book of Acts. The book of Acts was written about the baby church. That was the birth of the baby church. It's amazing to me how I still look at that baby and want to be like it. I'm sure they're thinking, man, come on, surely you can do more. Surely there's more. Surely there's more. And church, I believe the words that God uh, gave for me, that this was a, a, a year of activation. An activation of the power of the Spirit in and through us into our cities and the nations. God has given us an incredible inheritance. In two weeks' time, I'm going to be in Haiti. I've just had some calls from uh, a, 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 a church in, in Cuba that is looking for help. God is opening doors all over the place. And the cry has always been from the Father to the Son, who will go and who can I send? And let's say, Lord, here I am. Send me. You see, the enemy wants to shrink the enemy down to the size of a penny, down to the size of a circumstance. And yes, the word of God says this in Isaiah 43. You will go through fires. You will go through floods of life. But fear not, Isaiah 43 says, for when you walk through the fires, you will not get burnt. When you walk through the floods, they will not overtake you. God never promises to put the fires out, although he can and does. But what he always promises, that he will never leave us or forsake us. He says he is with us till the very end of the age. And this is the incredible gift that we have living within us. And Jesus wants to get out. Jesus wants us to reach out. And I just imagine just in the church of a couple hundred people, if each one of us determined just to reach one, the church would double. Just like that. We would think it's revival, and that's only one. How much more can God do in and through us? You see, this is the enemy wants us to look down. And I'm so glad we sung these songs because I want us this year to be a, lay, uh, a, year, a year of activation, a year of fixing our eyes on Jesus. And in closing, I want to remind us of who this Jesus is. I don't know what circumstance you're going through. I do know some of them. I knew some of you 
are in, in dire circumstances with health, with family, and so on. But I want to tell you this, that God sees, and God hears, and God is with you. The enemy is forcing you to look down, because as he does that, he contains you. And God is, look up, look up. And this is who the God we serve. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, this one verse, church, what an amazing verse, tells us that the Son, Jesus Christ, is the radiance of God's glory. This is the Christ in us. The hope of glory. This sun is the radiance of God's glory. He is the exact representation of his being. He sustains all things, church. All things. That includes you and I and our circumstances by his powerful word. That's wonderful that because of the 2020. Because it is word and spirit that God uses. And after he provided purification for, uh, for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the Father of the majesty in, in heaven. Church, God is not sitting on the throne, biting his nails, wondering what's going to happen next. next. He has sat down. It is a finished work. Yes, the world is going to, to wind up. And I believe this is a time for harvest and activation. And the way that we're going to do it is not simply by what we say, but by who we are. A people working and living, loving good deeds. I pray that each one day God give us an opportunity to just do one good deed. In the name of Jesus. That's what Jesus commended the church for in Matthew 25, a cup of water, a visit in hospital, a visit in prison. And he said, when you do for the least of these, you do it unto me. And he also said this as a warning, the defining factor, that will be the defining factor between the sheep and the goats. And I know we are sheep part of his pasture. I want to finish with this on the supremacy of Christ. Church, we serve a big God. Meditate on these things. When you are looking down, look to him. In verse 14 to 18, verse 14 reminds us that in him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In him. When we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. He separates our sin as far as the east is from the west and chooses to remember them no more, not because he's forgetful, but because he has paid the price on the cross and on the finished work of the cross, it is done. When the enemy reminds you of his of your past. You remind him of his future. We have a glory of future. Our faith is not in our strength. In our, our faith is in God and the finished work of the cross. And the only reason we can stand and do what we do is because of Jesus Christ. And that's the whole point. 
It's not about you. Go and turn to the person next to you and tell them, it's not about you. Come on. One, two, three. It's about him. Now say that together. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about him. Working in and through us. Amen. Verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Verse 16. For by him all things. This is the supreme creator of the universe that lives in us. All things were created, that includes us, in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities. All things were created through him, and, and all things were created for him. Don't let anybody say that you're an accident. I don't care how you, you came into this world. Jesus knew you were coming, and he created you in him to do good works for him. Use our stumbling blocks as stepping stones. Why can we be a witness? How can we do that? Because of what Christ done in us, does in us. You know, the biggest testimony to me for anybody, anybody when they ask me why I do what I do is to tell them what Christ did in my life. See, Deborah got saved two years before me and thank God she stuck it out because I, in a sense, made her life a misery. I was not happy when she became a Christian because my party partner was now going to church then more, more than hanging with me. She was radically saved. And do you know what got me in the end? It was, was not the things that she was telling me that she heard from church because I always had a clever answer. What came first, the chicken or the egg? What does that even mean? Who made God? All of these kind of things. How many animals can fit in an ark? And all these kind of things. Thinking I'm very clever. But what I could not argue with in Deborah, as you can see, was her passion and her love for Jesus Christ. You see, you can argue about all kinds of things, but people can never argue about a life that's been transformed by the power of God. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. Share your story, not from a place of condemnation, from a place of gratitude. Jesus saved us. Jesus came for the world, and there's a world outside waiting for us to represent him to them. We might just plant the seed. i tell you a story. This is, I've got a few more minutes. How I got radically saved in the end, although I was getting closer and closer, is I was in a very, very bad accident. I'll just leave it like that. I was in ICU uh, and uh, given a, a couple hours to live. At that time, to my displeasure, Deborah had joined a Bible school. Can you imagine 
me being married to Deborah, going to Bible school every day and coming back and preaching to me. She got a call at the Bible school and they started a prayer chain for me. She came there. She tells me she wasn't worried at all. She knew that God was going to heal me. But this is the crazy thing. Whilst I was unconscious, this is a crazy thing, because I'd started going on and off to church with Deborah. Seed started going. Somehow it connected with my heart. And whilst I was unconscious, my mind was as clear as it is now, and that's sometimes not very clear. But I had this conversation in my mind, and I started crying out to God while people thought I was dying. And I asked God to save me. And I felt this presence of God in my heart, this peace. And while I was still lying there, I had this next thought. People, if I died there and I asked Deborah, they would have thought I went to hell. Don't ever give up. People can be hit by a car here, according to my experience, flying through the air. And before they hit the ground, that seed can take fruit. God, save me. If you were looking at the two thieves on the cross from a distance, you would have thought both of them went to hell. But only one did. The other acknowledged Christ on that very cross and he said, today you will be with me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Out of that, a conversation in my head started. I'm, I felt, I knew I was saved. I said, but I've never done anything for God. Can you believe it? I'm like unconscious. I'm having this. And I've said this, God, if you save my life, I will serve you for the rest of my life. Now, some of us need a gentle tap, tap to get in to the kingdom. Others need a baseball bat on their head. And I was one of those. And that transformed my life. Those seeds that were sown. I had Christian friends from a young age. I used to go to the youth with them for all the wrong reasons. But that eternal seed was there. Don't worry about the seed. God will protect that seed. God will make it grow. Sow it. Verse 17. He is before all things. I'm going to just do one more after this. And in him, all things are held together. Your life might be falling apart. And they sometimes do. Mine does. I can have as much fear and anxiety as anybody else. But in Christ, we are held together. It's when we come into his presence, when we feel his presence, that he begins to knit our heart and heal our heart and heal us. You see, God doesn't want us to know his word and have a relationship with us because he's lonely and he's needy. He's wanting to have that relationship because of us. He never leaves us, never forsakes us. 
And finally, talking of the supremacy of Christ, says he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, he is the firstborn from all amongst the dead, so then all things he might have supremacy. This is not the gentle Jesus, meek and mild, lying in a manger. Many of the world just know that picture of Jesus. This is Jesus, the creator of the universe, the king of kings and the Lord of lords that dwells in us. You see, it's Christ that is in us that is the hope of glory. If I could have the worship team come forward, I want to just sing that miracle uh, worker song once more. But before we do this, If you could just still your heart and for the ones that don't know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, I want to tell you that he loves you unconditionally. He loved Paul, Saul, changed his name to Paul, and Saul was responsible for the death of Christians, for the death of uh, Stephen, certainly was on his way to persecute Christians. And yet, he was saved on that road to Damascus. And if you can save Saul and turn him into Paul, he can save anybody, if you can save me. You see, it's not about you. It's about what he did for you. And I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to um, um, share more of my story, whether it's today or phone the office, one of us and the elders. I'd love to get together with you. You see, we can even spend our lives in church and never have confessed Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Somebody once said that because Uh, you live in a garage if you did it wouldn't make you a car because we come to church you see it's about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit begins to move in your heart if that's you and even after the service if we could have some of the leaders just be available to come and pray with you it would be an absolute privilege But the other ones, the ones that are here, that are full of guilt and condemnation, maybe even over the season, I want to say that God forgives you. Your life could be in a mess, your marriage or everything. And in a sense, you can look back and say, it was my fault. And yes, it more than likely is. Everything I did was my fault. But God can forgive us and set us free. He doesn't always um, take the consequence away. But He walks us through the consequences. He restores us. And that's what He wants to do today. I want to pray this if you just bow your head. This is the heart of God for us. You see, if we're going to do what God's called us, to do, it's got to be with this revelation of who Christ is in our lives. 
It's got to be a daily walk, a coming into His presence. You know, sometimes I just don't have time and I should have time. And sometimes just five minutes, I can just come into His presence and boom, I sense it there. Encourage you to find that space. Often, I love Westwood Lake. Sometimes I'm in my office and it's just crazy or wherever and I just get in my car and drive to paradise. We live in paradise. And just focusing on the beauty and the majesty of God in creation, just standing there sometimes, doing nothing, I can come back from that time refreshed and renewed. And that's what God wants to do with us daily. We cannot do this with a backpack of daily stuff on our back. We give it to Him. And when we sin, we ask forgiveness. And if we do again, we ask again and again and again. Not as an excuse, but as a place where we can come to that throne of grace and receive mercy from our Lord and Savior on a daily basis. And this is the heart of Jesus, that the supreme ruler of the universe that is looking down at us, the King of glory, who John, his best friend on earth, when he saw the risen Christ, fell on his feet as though dead before him. The risen Christ, and Jesus picks him up and says, don't be afraid. And this is what Jesus says daily. Come into my presence. Matthew 11, 28 to 29. Come to me. All of you are weary and heavy burdened or heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Just for this little moment. Still your hearts. Come Holy Spirit. Enter into His rest. This is all we need to do daily, church. Sometimes it's not about talking to God. It's simply about receiving from God. It's like a fresh shower in the morning. Just washes away the day before come Holy Spirit begin to reign fill us with your rest and your peace the shalom of God be released in the midst of the chaos of the world that is out of control we can find peace and rest for our souls only in one place and that's in you Lord Rain down, Holy Spirit. I pray that you begin to heal hearts right now. Heal physical, mental, emotional. Lord Jesus, you can do in a few seconds what can take years to work out. We give our stuff to you, Lord. 
We ask you to forgive us, Lord. I ask you, Lord God, to pull your love into my heart so that I can remember my first love. Forgive us for forsaking that, Lord. It's not about doing things, it's about being your child. Come, Holy Spirit. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble, creator of the universe. I read Colossians chapter 1, Hebrews 1 3. The cradle of the universe is humble and gentle. And then when you come, you will find rest for your souls. Church, if we do this daily, stop striving to striving, but receiving. That will begin to flow out of us naturally. That will begin to flow into the city and into the nations. That will begin to transform lives. And finish with this. As we said, the only way to run this way, this, 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 this race, is with our eyes fixed on Him. So we're going to sing this song. And I'm going to pray for an impartation of faith and courage to come upon us so that we can go and simply be what He's called us to be in the city and in the nations that God calls us to be. Yeah. Let's stand. Worship God. Remember, you're an audience of one. If you want to lift your hands and just look up into His face as we sing about His majesty and glory.